Well, top of the morning to you. Uh, it is our Tuesday Key Market Drivers call for September 12th. Uh, as always, we would love to hear from you and any feedback on how we could make this uh, more valuable and, and a better presentation for you. But I think the things driving the markets this week, and to be honest with you, there wasn't much driving the markets this week. Uh, as we'll show you, I don't think corn, beans, or wheat really did much of anything. Uh, they're kind of hanging out, I think, waiting for the USDA, first off, to tell us today at about 11 o'clock of really how big we think the crops are. Even though the USDA starts this objective yield survey process in August, about five or six years ago, they kind of quit putting boots on the ground for that August WASD. So I'm not going to say that that one doesn't mean much, but I think that September WASD, this one that we're going to get today, because USDA's actually got a bunch of crop scouts out walking around, counting, measuring, weighing. I think the market feels like this is maybe a little bit better snapshot of, of the crop. The other reason I think the market believes that is because, honestly, when you're doing the August WASD uh, work to put that report out on the 11th or 12th of August, you're doing a lot of work in July, and we still don't have a finished product, especially with beans at that point. Um, so I think, you know, we've had another month's worth of weather to get through, and we have a bunch of USDA personnel. Doesn't mean the report's perfect, but... I think the market's really going to be looking to this report for direction of how big is it. We'll show you the report, uh, at least the uh, trade expectations here in just a second. But generally speaking, uh, the market's looking for a little bit smaller crops just because we just didn't have a good finish. Uh, we had good rain up through the first half of August and then, you know, it shut off. The spigot shut off and we never got that finishing rain, especially for the bean crop. Harvest is on the way. You can see actually that's a. Uh, a buddy of ours, customer of ours, that's a brand new shiny green John Deere combine. Uh, I think that's about a million dollar piece of equipment, isn't it? Yep. Uh, i tell you what, you got to do a lot of acres with that. But uh, i got another picture I'll show you here of some of combines. We are uh, just on the front edge, I believe, uh, of harvest. Scott, do you want to talk about the Erdogan Putin meeting, or you want me to wait till I get to your wheat slide, or do you want well, to talk about it at all? Yeah, there, there's not much to say, quite honestly. There was a little bit of fanfare ahead of the meeting, um, whether or not Putin was going to go see Erdogan or vice versa. Well, Erdogan actually went up to Moscow and met with Putin, and there's no new deal which is honestly not surprising to me at all. It seemed odd we had all those headlines late last week about, oh, you know, the, the Erdogan thought that we might get a deal back uh, uh, line in line, but last Thursday or Friday, Putin was on record and said, I'm still here, my demands are still the same. And they have not changed. And they have not changed, and the West clearly does not want to meet those demands, so. Yeah. And I think that I, I don't know exactly what the holdup is. I know that the U.N. sent new proposals to Russia uh, and Russia, you know, pretty well um, turned them around and said, yeah, this doesn't have those same five that we've been looking for since a year ago. Um, so I don't know. I, I, and Erdogan, I think, is a uh, uh, because they own the uh, the Bosphorus. Um, it's it's in their best interest to try to get something going and, and try to play peacemaker. And so that's why he's involved as much as he is. They own the toll bridge, I guess. Yeah. So to get some traffic going. Not, Putin, I don't know. Putin's busy. Yeah, I see where uh, Kim Jong-un traveled to Russia in a bulletproof train and he's meeting with Putin here today or tomorrow. So he's he's tied up with <laughs> he's tied up with that guy. I guess after recent events, he decided not to fly. Well, I, I guess. 
he had to get his bulletproof train out and, and use it. It's been sitting for a while. Uh, yeah. So, but they're were I I hear they're working on an arms deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Won't that be fun? Yeah. I think in other news, probably worth a mention here, we got a couple of uh, things the market will be looking to. We got the Fed meeting next week. Uh, market's pretty sure we're not going to get a rate hike. There was a Wall Street Journal article out, I believe it was late last week, uh, written by somebody that supposedly is uh, quite close to several of the insiders at the Fed. Says the Fed is starting to be more concerned about, you know, overdoing the rate hike thing and uh, maybe shoving the economy too far in the hole and the market 80, 90 percent chance that we have no rate hike. So, well, we we were we were 20 or plus. Uh, was it a week or two weeks ago? Now I was reading yesterday. Yeah. It's in the mid 80s. So yeah, 80 to 90 percent. So I've also got a big we got our SEP one quarterly stocks report uh, at the end of the month. The small grain summary, which I think is our final wheat production number. Mm -hmm. The final final. <laughs> the preliminary final. Um, uh, that's going to be a big report. Step one stocks, remember, is your official ending stocks for the crop that we finished up using here at the uh, end of August. So last year's crop. So on corn and beans, on corn and beans. Yeah, we will. Uh, and, and your second quarterly stocks marker, your first quarterly stocks marker for wheat. So uh, that's always, uh, always going to be a big report. So we'll get you probably more information on that either next week or the week after we'll start to get uh, some trade estimates. So here's today's report. And I got the three circles there. If you look at the bottom on the left, that's the yields that the trade is expecting. And if you compare those to last month, which is right here, you can see that with that dry finish to the crop, the trade is looking for a bit smaller crops. Now, the thing that I wanted to contrast that with is when we got this 50.9 number a month ago from the USDA, remember that was a bit lower than the trade was expecting. And there was a lot of people at that point because it was still raining. I mean, it, I mean, the spigot kind of shut off in the middle of August. It was still raining at that point in time. And many people in the trade thought that 50.9 bushel an acre bean crop would be the lowest number we'd seen all season. Now, that certainly changed when we didn't get any rain in the next 45 days. But uh, 50.1 is what we're looking for here, and a little bit of a downtick on corn to 173.4. Market's not going to be too worried about the corn crop because if you look at the the uh, ending stock estimate that I partially covered up with the red circle, we're going to have plenty of corn. One way or another, it appears we're going to have plenty of corn, uh, way plenty of corn. It's this beat ending stock number that the market's going to be watching because remember that Mendoza line between uh, enough barely and, oh my God, we have to start rationing, uh, is not really too far below that 213 at trade estimate. It's probably right there. Certainly any number that starts with a one uh, is, is problematic. And to be this close to the edge of the cliff this early uh, is, is a bit concerning. So the market's gonna be watching. That's probably your three big numbers. Uh, and, and really because of the bean thing, it's, it's really, the, it's, this is kind of a bean report. Uh, we going to get anything uh, of of uh, uh, excitement, you think, on the wheat side of things? Probably not. This uh, is kind of a corn and bean report, typically. Right. We won't get any new production numbers for our U.S. crop uh, in the report, but we might. Um, in fact, I, I wouldn't uh, bet against it at all that we might see uh, some changes to the demand components, namely exports. We might tick exports. We're off to a really slow start on yeah, exports. Yeah, we might we? tick exports down a little bit more, and we'll see what happens in the world. Um, obviously, um, uh, 
I think that USDA is trailing the play on Russian uh, wheat production as well as Ukrainian wheat production, uh, even Europe. I, I think those all tick a little bit higher, but they'll uh, get balanced out with yeah. Australia going a little bit lower. Yep. Um, Argentina is actually um, not looking too bad. So I, th I think we'll, we'll likely see, if we see anything of, of note in wheat at all, it'll be mostly on the world. Um, not Some adjustments. Of, yeah. Okay. Uh, Agronomy Minute, it's time. Gentlemen, ladies, start your engines. Uh, I, this, is a, this is a field kind of up north of town. Um, uh, actually, it's the one I was on the other side of this field is where I've been pulling the ears the last few years. Uh, I think, Scott, you know this this guy. Don't oh, yeah, we, we th this is uh, Jeff Fallon's place. Uh, we went and uh, actually toured some of his stuff up on the some of years. his stuff last year. So, yep, Jeff Fallon ready to roll. Looks like he's got him in that brand new shiny combine, too, that or else he, he uh, takes care of it and parks it inside. But this was parked out. I mean, literally right at the edge of this field, right outside of his building. He's got the corn head on it. Uh, it didn't sound like it was running to me when it went past, but we are getting close. And you can see the bean field I keep going back to here. Uh, still got just a few greens on there. That uh, obviously you can't really check that moisture. But when when you look at those beans in my hand on the right uh, and you start trying to stick your fingernail in them, that's not a great judge of moisture. But Boy, those can't be too far from ready to go. I would doubt that those are much over 15, 16% moisture. Don't they typically like to cut those around 12, 12 and a half? Yeah, they're going to want to be in the mid-teens or lower. Yeah, so at any rate, we are we are right there. I saw, uh, I did see a combine running and I saw a field of corn out. Um, I did take a picture of the combine running, but it was way the heck out in those bottoms uh, by the Elkhorn River and I couldn't get close to it. So at any rate, that's where we're at. And we'll kind of hustle through some of this other stuff because honestly, uh, really not as a lot and a lot has changed. The USGA started reporting harvest progress this week for corn and we are 5% harvested uh, a single tick above average. So really no news there to speak of in crop conditions. Even though we have them on here really probably don't mean a heck of a lot uh, at this particular point in time. Party's kind of over here. And like I mentioned, uh, prices didn't do anything. Uh, corn prices were up a half a percent. Uh, didn't look like wheat prices did much of anything either last nope, week. Nope, they were down more yesterday than all of last week. So um, you can see there, um, I guess one change that I did see just this morning, um, I had Russia quoted at around 250 last week. I actually saw a trade this morning at 240. So right back down in that area where they were. Um, you see spring wheat harvest here in the States at 87%. That's right on average and up 13% week over week. Um, still getting good uh, to better reports out of the field there. Um, you know, we're looking for Uncle Sam to change that number maybe pretty dramatically at the end of the month. Winter wheat planting just getting started, 7% uh, versus 7% on average. Um, flip to that next slide, if you would, yeah, Dave. Right there, that's when we've been showing you quite a bit of the growing season for corn and soybeans. Well, this is what it looks like for winter wheat right now. Um, you can see there that the biggest piece of the, you know, western two-thirds of Kansas is where we grow so much of that winter, that hard red winter wheat crop. And it is in uh, some form of drought right now. Now, you might recall uh, uh, when Paige 
talked about the uh, past rain. We got a lot of rain in Kansas a week ago. Um, so we'll have to see what she has for us in store this week. But that's where we're looking <clears throat> for rain in the hard red winter wheat specifically. Um, soft red winter wheat, you can see that's not a problem at all where, where the Ohio and the uh, Mississippi come together. That's where a lot of that soft red is at. Um, but remember that we grow soft red all over the place. So, yeah, it's pretty stretched out. And this this uh, USDA, this is always a week behind. This particular map is always a week behind. This is only through the 5th. So this did not pick up the rains that uh, we got. I, I bet that shrinks yeah, when we get that this week. Probably drops. So that's got to be good news to, you know, the Kansas farmers that sure like to get a drink before they get that, uh, uh, they get that crop in the ground. As far as the soy complex goes, you can see there, uh, it didn't do much. A couple things I wanted to call out on this slide. We had something that's a little bit unusual happen last week, uh, and that is the vegetable markets were down the most of anything. Nothing else really moved but Beans didn't move, corn didn't move, wheat didn't move, meal didn't move. Uh, Beet oil was down almost 4.5%. Palm oil, as I'll show you this second, was down 5%. Um, and the energy market, petroleum prices were actually up a little over 2%. And to see those markets go the opposite direction uh, is a bit rare. Uh, as you know, that correlation has been pretty high because of our biofuels program. So the question before the House is what happened? Well, there isn't any big fundamental item that you can point to and say, aha, that's why this happened. I think what we saw last week, and I'll show you briefly when we, when we get to the commitment of traders slide, I would I would have to suspect at this point that it was largely spec driven. Uh, the spec was a seller. I suspect I should have probably put in a soybean oil price chart in here, uh, but I would almost guarantee you we went through a couple moving average lines uh, and, and the spec started bailing on some of this. What had gotten to be a pretty hefty long position. Uh, the CFTC slide I'll show you here in a second is only through last Tuesday. <clears throat> I suspect what we saw later in the week was continued spec selling. Uh, remember, they they are not trading market fundamentals. They are generally just direction traders. If it's going up, they're buying, and if it's going down, they're pitching. So uh, I think what we saw last week, uh, a bit unusual, but was probably spec trade. So um, I guess the other thing I wanted to point out here is something I probably should point out when I get to the VegWell slide. So let me just catch this thing here. Uh, probably not a huge deal. We had a horrible crop in Argentina last year, but that their, their government has got the old soy dollar program going again. This one's got a little bit of a twist to it. Um, to try Don't to they get, all? They, they all are a little different. It's kind of like Christmas. Every year is not exactly the same, but there's all the, there's still a tree there. The ornaments not, may not be in the same place and your presence might be different, but there's still a tree there. Um, this one allows, I think, some of the major crushers and exporters to actually use up to 25% of their currency reserves to keep them in dollars to use them to buy uh, to buy soybeans. Uh, as you know, they've got a big currency problem. They've got a huge inflation problem down there. Uh, and because of that, they do not allow companies doing business in uh, Argentina to actually convert their pesos to dollars. So you kind of got to sit there and take it when it comes to inflation if you're making any money. So this is actually causing pretty good bean movement with the Argentine farmers. So uh, longer term doesn't mean much. Short term, I think we're getting some product pressure maybe out of uh, Argentina. 
Palm oil, I mentioned down 5% last week. Uh, it's, uh, uh, what is it, either Groundhog Day or Deja Vu all over again. Uh, the palm oil guys get all excited about good export information early in the month. They run prices up. They find out that running prices up actually costs them business in places like India that's going to buy whatever's cheapest. And by the time you get to the end of the month, the export story has fallen flat. You can see exports in August were down almost 10%. And look at what I've got in bold right here. This came out yesterday, our August Malaysian Palm Oil Board, uh, the production and stocks numbers for August. That is a big jump. I, I missed my percentage. Yeah, it's supposed to be 22.5%. Yeah. Um, to, to over 2.1. The trade was looking for about a 9% increase in stocks up to just under 1.9. So that's a big number. In addition to the drop last week, palm oil was down another 3% yesterday, uh, down six or seven tenths of a percent today. So we've seen a pretty good break in, uh, in, in palm oil prices because of that. Canola harvest is kind of getting rolling here. We got 43% of the crop out in North Dakota. Uh, the Canadian provinces that are always kind of a week behind in reporting, you could see there Saskatchewan, the big producing provinces coming up on the quarter pole. And Nate, are you hearing anything? I'm not hearing anything that would tell us to expect a crop that is dramatically different than what the expectations have been and where stats cans at kind of in the 17s, mid 17s. No, not at this point. Um, not at this point. In fact, hearing some some stories out of North Dakota. Now, while that's not Canada, hearing stories out of North Dakota that um, the wheat crop was a hell of a lot better than what everybody had anticipated and early indications look like on the canola side, uh, some stuff that had come out, farmers were anticipating it to be not the best. And they said the yields kind of surprised them a little bit. So I think as we get into things here in the next week or so, we'll probably get some more anecdotes out of Canada, maybe a little bit more guidance on where we think the crop is. But so far, nobody's saying anything that. Yep, worrisome. yep, yep. All right. Well, that's what we've got there. Let's let me show you this. Uh, or let me. Here you go. We're going to get to the dairy stuff, and then I'll show you the CFTC slide. What do you got, Jay? Well, not a lot of changes week over week, Dave. To be honest with you, um, seasonally things are, you know, kind of status quo right now. I mean, we've got cooler weather coming forecasted, and Paige will talk us through that on the on the next seven to ten days. Look like we'll get a milk report on the 18th. USDA does a good job of counting the number of cows and milk per cow and all the rest of it. It's interesting since the beginning of the year in January through July, we, we were on a steady decline for class three milk. I mean, we just kind of bottomed out right around right after the 4th of July. And then it's it seems like the market took a breath and said, well, wait a minute, we're way too cheap for milk. And we've been up ever since. Now we've kind of channeled out. Um, you can see on the class three futures, 1901 up a half a percent. Not a lot of changes there. Um, spot cheese down 1.3%. We're still above a buck 90, which is is not good for a lot of the pizza folks. Um, spot butter still hanging around 268. So if you go to the next slide, Dave, you can see on the forward curves, not a not a lot of changes. Um, you can see seasonal demand coming in the fall. Everybody knows it comes every single year. Um, so to me, the biggest question right now. If you look at class three milk, it's basically flat 1850 all the way out until 2025. So I think the market's done a good job of saying, hey, we're too cheap. We got back to a, a price that's, I would say, quote unquote, reasonable. It's good for the for the, for the producers. Um, product values are still a little bit on the high side of probably where they should be. The biggest question going into this Q4 quarter is going to be what does demand look like? 
And it's a big question mark. Um, up till now, demand has been, it was soft for cheese. That's what really drove the market down for class three into July. But it's picked up seasonally. It's it's football season. So um, cheese demand always picks up this time of the year. But it's to what degree? And butter demand has been steady all year long. So um, the butter we have is the butter we're going to have into Q4. So depending on how, how the consumer reacts within the marketplace, if, if demand remains strong, things could get a little bit tight. If the consumer backs off a little bit, we've probably got more than adequate stocks on the butter side. So kind of more to come. Um, like I said before, not a lot of changes week over week, but we'll be looking at the milk production report on Monday the 18th. We know we're anticipating that one to be a little bit lower just because it was hot in August. So um, we'll see what happens on Monday. Well, the, the Packers won their opener. Is that good for cheese demand? <laughs> it should be. A, it's good for the mood. I can tell you that in Wisconsin. So maybe the cows are happier when the Packers win. All right. Thank you, Jay. Uh, let me show you the CFTC slide I was talking about here. Uh, quite a bit of selling up here. And I, again, I think what we're going to see this Friday is that the spec is going to continue to sell. Remember recently here, they got, I think, that uh, long position in bean oil up to at or a little bit over 15%. They're now down to about 11. And I think that's fallen. Uh, and another quick call out here on the CFTC. Look at Chicago wheat. Now they actually bought up a little bit this past week, but but look at the uh, percentage of open interest. That trend, and you mentioned this, Dave. They are trend betters. The specs, and mm -hmm. they've been basically um, uh, selling and been kind of rewarded for it. If you go all the way back to May of 22. Um, they've kind of been short and shorter than normal and, and mm -hmm. remain so. Um, so and until they really get burned, I think they're going to probably keep their foot at least a little bit in the gas. Do we have a little bounce in our future here? I mean, that's a pretty good size, as you've mentioned, pretty good size short position in weight. Well, that doesn't count last week, remember. So oh, that's true. Remember, we're going to see a, a probably an, another week of, a, of at least a yeah. little more. Negative. Yeah, they've been riding that trip for a long time. Like you, you mentioned, they've been rewarded for it. So um, market's not normally that nice for that long, though. So we'll see. Or as a, a business partner I had when I was at ConAgra used to say that many people cannot possibly be right. But anyway, what do you got for us, Paige? Yeah, so we're kind of in a weird period uh, when it comes to weather. Um, the rains that we have been getting probably aren't really benefiting any crops, maybe some of the later planted stuff, but kind of not a lot really to make a big difference. Um, so we're kind of looking ahead on the curve uh, to harvest. Um, Scott did talk about uh, these winter wheat areas. They did cut, get some good rain the past seven days. And if you want to uh, flip to the forecast, the seven day forecast. Yeah, so that big red and purple blob. Um, I think when I run these uh, every day for the Daily Wire, that has kind of started to shift east a little bit and looks like it's kind of getting over into Canada or not Canada, Kansas. I need more coffee this morning, apparently. Um, so that should kind of shift and bring a lot of good rains to those winter wheat areas. Um, but that's kind of the only really topic of discussion at this point in the U.S., uh, since we're kind of really focused on harvest at this point. So do you want to jump forward to the longer term forecasts? Um, so far, harvest weather uh, looking pretty good. Uh, if you look at those precipitation outlooks, that 6 to 10 and 8 to 14 day, 
the entirety of the Corn Belt is either kind of right near normal or actually below normal when it comes to precipitation outlook. Uh, plus, when you get to the end of September, there's probably not a whole lot of rains forecasted anyway. Um, so as long as the fields are not wet, farmers probably should be able to get in uh, and kind of kick off harvest in a hurry. And I know especially uh, around here, and I think majority of the Corn Belt, honestly, we're still in a drought. So even if we yeah. get a little bit of rain, we seem to dry out extremely quickly. How yeah. did we get like an inch on what day was that? This Sunday, weekend? Sunday. Just yeah. got, just got, I got just less than an inch. Yeah, I had a, I had about eight tenths, so. Mm -hmm. but yeah, and it was not, dried I mean, it was out already, by the afternoon, so. Yeah, now those beans, that's the thing. When you get into harvest, um, the corn, you know, and that corn, you remember I showed you last week the picture with that ear tips down. Uh, corn comes with its own little umbrella and, and also the hull on that, the, the actual kernel is thicker. Corn doesn't pick up moisture when it's wet or shed moisture as fast when it's dry. It'll pick up some and it'll shed, obviously, but it doesn't happen nearly as fast with beans with that little hull and then that little pod protecting it. And you get a little bit of moisture and those the beans will pick the moisture back up and the farmers don't like to, you know, they don't like to harvest them when they're too dry and they don't like to harvest them when they're too wet. And um, But I think with the weather we got, we've got a perfect forecast here in Omaha. We've got like, they're saying today might be what they call a top 10 day around here. 70 something degrees, low dew point, sun's out. No wind and no wind, right? Yep, and no wind is pretty rare around here. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> what about South America? I know it's maybe a little bit too early, but yeah. So we started talking about this last week. Um, I think their what'd you say? Their plant date is the sixteenth. Yep. So Russell's plant date is the sixteenth, but yeah, a little bit of confusion with the federal government last week, but that's apparently been rectified. <laughs> um. So the way South America works this time of year is they go through um, a dry season, which has been the past few months. Um, and then kind of mid-September is when it kind of flips usually to their rainy season. Um, and farmers are kind of waiting for that a little bit. It's been dry down there, um, not abnormally, very normal weather pattern. Um, but with their plant date on the 16th, they still would like to get a little bit of rain in the ground just to make sure uh, when they do plant that you can get better germination with a little bit more moisture in the ground. So they might be waiting a little bit for some more rains. You can see that first map is a seven day, the second map is a 14 day. Rains are staying a little bit north and west, um, kind of that, do you want to point to that big center square Mato Grosso? Yeah, yeah. this right here is where they grow. This is the biggest producing state kind of right here. Right. So uh, that, rains, that whole quadrant there yep. is pretty much mm -hmm. the state. Yeah. Yep. So based on the forecast that we are seeing uh, on these maps, there's not a whole lot of rain. It looks like it might be kind of shifting a little bit to the east and might hit hit there at some point. Um, but it seems like some of the other analysts are hearing that there's better forecasts for Mato Grosso uh, last half of September. So. Hopefully they get some better rains and farmers feel a little bit better about planting. Um, and then kind of on the flip side of that coin, Southern Brazil, um, not really planting there at this point, but they have gotten a crap ton of rain um, to the point where they are dealing with some flooding issues. Um, so obviously not as big of an area as Mato Grosso, but we'll definitely keep an eye on that. Um, 
yeah, that's probably all I had for South America. All right. Well, thank you, Paige, and uh, thank you, everybody. Uh, thank you for listening. And as always, there's our uh, emails, we'd, uh, email addresses. We would certainly love to hear from you. And as always, uh, be careful out there. <laughs>